0: dads kind of be looking for that, but you can pick up your kiddos right over there after the service. Um, I wanted to say, I guess to our whole church, to our elders, to our staff, um, thank you for letting us be gone the last two Sundays. Um, I've been in the ministry for 28 years, and I might have missed two—I might have been out of the ministry for the, the pulpit or whatever, my job, two Sundays in a row, maybe twice during that period. So really nice to have Two Sundays. Um, I would also say this that um, nothing compares to worshiping with you guys on a Sunday morning, man. I really, truly, honestly just missed it. Um, And it's great to be back here and just kind of have my soul fed a little bit um, by the time we had together. So I know you were ministered too, and I just wanted to say thank you to uh, the entire church for letting us be out those two weeks. Um, You'll see on your chairs this little card that says rest. And uh, this is tomorrow night, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, it's, it's a come and go prayer time. So we've, we've kind of been doing these for several years. We're switching the days and the nights and the times. Um, we just wanna, we're just we trying to be as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and so tomorrow night, uh, it'll be a come and go prayer time. Um, and we'll actually be meeting back here in, this, in the high five room, the sanctus room. Um, but it's a time for you to kind of come and just sit in the presence of the Lord. Um, you don't need to to plan anything or prepare for anything. Nobody's going to come and and make you pray with somebody or pray out loud um, There'll be worship music playing. There'll be time for worship um, And then really a time for you just to come and sit um, in the presence of the lord So I just strongly encourage you. I know we set aside sunday mornings um, To be together, uh, but we also want to have these concentrated times of prayer in um, and, and worship because we don't do a very good job of any of that. Resting, really worshiping, and praying. And so we want to have a time where we set aside to do that. So tomorrow night, I want to encourage you to be here. Take that with you as just sort of your reminder um, to be here. Um, so we are going to switch gears. We, we wrapped up Proverbs uh, throughout the summer. Um, and for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Love Does. Um, so we'll kind of be throughout several scriptures and then we get into later in the fall we'll get into first and second thessalonians so we'll be spending some time in the the book of the two thessalonians books here uh, as we get into the fall but today uh, we're going to be in first peter so if you want to turn to first peter so go to the new testament If, if you don't know where your stuff is let the bible fall open in the middle you're in psalms take a right keep going matthew mark luke john keep going Get to revelation or the maps you've gone too far Okay so right before Revelation there's a bunch of little books um, And one of those is going to be first peter So we'll have it up on the screen for you If if, uh, you don't have a bible there's Scriptures all over the 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 backs of the Chairs also Um, so Historically traditionally For us uh, at the sanctuary we Spend um, time In the month of september Reminding ourselves um, About being missional, living on purpose um, The idea of missions um, And you'll, you'll get some of that uh, We'll get some of that as we go through through this study this month uh, But really I wanted to take a step back I think from that or Take a step back off of that And uh, really give ourselves a reminder that Living on purpose, living on mission Understanding that God has called you to wherever you're at In your life to be his ambassador That that all behind that Is the idea of love God's love That it all flows from love It stems from love It's fueled by love Everything we do um, As believers As followers of Jesus um, Is flowing from God's love for us And how we're responding to to him So I was thinking about it this week I've been thinking about this for a while Because I knew we were going to be going into this This series called Love Does And I was like I'm going to be super creative And then I started to think In my head when I said this I sounded like Forrest Gump Okay, so i'm going to say it i'm going to say it and then you'll see if it's right love is what love does right <laughs> Doesn't that sound like forrest, you know i'm not a very smart man, but I know that love is what love does jenny, right? So I feel like that sounds like forrest gump But I also feels like it sort of summarizes what I want to say today That love is what love does now as I thought I was being super super creative last night when I was kind of just looking over things again I ran across a a quote from Scott Peck in the uh, short story or poem called The Road Less Travel and in that he said he says love is as love does so really great minds think alike is what I kind of found out right this week love is love is what love does now there is a book called Love Does and I ran across this several years ago a guy named Bob Goff I would encourage you to read it Um, and I want to just quickly tell you where this like the the idea of this sort of comes from Um, at the very beginning of the book he tells a story about when he's a high school senior and he's like I'm not going to college Um, that's for somebody else I'm not very good at school so he lived in California he decided that he was going to sell everything he had and move to uh, a national park Yosemite National Park and become a a tour guide uh, in Yosemite And so he goes to tell his mentor he's been saved as an older teenager And as he's graduating he goes to his mentor's house on a sunday morning because he's leaving town And his name is randy and he says hey randy um, I just want you to know this is my plan i'm leaving i've sold everything I have a vw bug and i've piled what i've got left in there a sleeping bag and some granola bars You know and i think it's 78 dollars or something It's like i'm leaving And his friend randy was there with his girlfriend and he goes hey wait a second goes back, has a conversation, comes out with his knapsack, and he goes, I'm in with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. It's like, all right, road trip. Pile into the VW Bug, drive to Yosemite. They get there. They find out that there's a very small town. There's not very many job opportunities as it stands. You kind of have to have some training to go take people out into the national forest and all this kind of stuff And they end up camping out under the stars on a rock and eating granola bars for dinner And they run out of food in about three days And they run out of money and now he's feeling like I am a loser, right? I've sold everything. I'm in this vw bug. I drug this guy away from home. I have no future no plans What am I going to do? And he just looks at randy and he goes and at no point does randy correct him or say, hey, have you thought about your future or a 401k program? You know, at no point does Randy step in and start to offer sage advice. And he looks at Randy and says, "Man, I think that I'm done. I, I just isn't going to work out." And Randy looks at him and says, "Wherever you go, I'm with you. No matter what you do, I'll be right there." Next day, they get up, get in the car, drive back home. And they get to Randy's house, and as they get up to the house, his girlfriend was there, and she comes out to greet him, and she says, "Welcome home, honey." And it doesn't register in Bob's head until they step into the living room that they got married the weekend before he left to go to, to the Yosemite. That Randy stepped inside and told his wife, hey, I need to go with this kid. I love him and I wanna see him be successful in life and I just gotta go. She let him go unopened wedding gifts are in the living room when they walk in. And he's just floored. He's floored that this guy would leave his life to come do a stupid thing with a 17 year old. He says this, he says about Randy, he says, he says, why, did, why would he possibly do this? Why would he do his early days of marriage and leave his bride and spend it with me, sleeping in the back of a, of a tent, back of a car, because Randy loved me? He saw the need, and he did something about it. He didn't just say he was for me or with me, he was actually present with me. What I learned from Randy changed my view permanently About what it means to have a friendship with Jesus I learned that faith isn't about knowing all the right stuff Or obeying a list of rules It's something more Something more costly Because it involves being present And making a sacrifice Perhaps that's why Jesus is sometimes called Emmanuel God with us I think that's what God had in mind For Jesus to be present To just be with us It's also what he has in mind for us when it comes to other people. What I learned from Randy about the brand of love that Jesus offers is that it's more about presence than undertaking a project. It's a brand of love that doesn't just think good things or agree with them or talk about them. What I learned from Randy reinforced the simple truth that continues to weave itself into the tapestry of every great story. Love does. That's what I want to talk about, not just today, but for the next several weeks. Love does. Love, uh, somehow or another, we have reduced love to feelings, to intuition, um, to some uh, chemical reaction that goes on inside of us and how we feel about a, a person or a thing. But I would begin to make this argument today and throughout the next several weeks that love is something that you do. And it's not necessarily even primarily something that you feel when you look at love in scripture you will nowhere in scripture and you know what scripture talks a lot about love doesn't it like it's all over the bible all over the bible old testament new testament don't separate there's not two gods in scripture same god okay and he loves us he loves people love is all over scripture and at no point in scripture Do you find feelings as being primary expressions of love? Now, somebody might go, what about the Song of Solomon? Absolutely, it's there, right? I'm not going to deny that that's there or that there's other places that talk about our feelings, but our feelings in Scripture are not the definers of love. So think about it like this. Some of us have a favorite Scripture passage, and it goes something like this. And this is love, and that while while we were sinners, Christ enjoyed thinking about us. He couldn't wait to hang out with us. He hoped that we made him feel better when we were around him, and he had butterflies in his stomach when somebody said our names. Isn't that your favorite verse? Good, because it's not there. <laughs> Sorry. I hope somebody. Hope nobody went amen. I love that passage. It's the best passage, right? Revelation two thirty-six through thirty-three, right? Romans five eight. This is love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which one's better for you? Which one's a better description for you? That God gets the ooey-gooey, heebie-jeebies when he thinks about you? Or that God did something because he loved you? See, the definition of in script, Scripture of love consistently is, love does. Love does. This is the best love that we can exercise, that we can show to people in this world. The best definition is based on what does. Feelings and expression of feelings are included in that. Right? So guys... You can't just say, well, I bought you flowers last week. Don't you know that I love you? You did something, but Lord have mercy, guys. Where's your feelings at, right? And you can't be exasperated with your spouse when she doesn't feel love from you because you didn't express one ounce of feeling in that act. So I'm not trying to divorce the feelings of love from the actions of love. I'm just telling you that if all you ever do to me is tell me you love me and project warm thoughts towards me, I'm never gonna know love from you. Love does and That's what we're going to be spending our time on As we go for the next several weeks So First Peter chapter 3 If you guys are there You can look at it We'll have it up on the screen First Peter chapter 3 uh, We're going to look at a couple of verses here And then flip over to chapter 4 actually uh, Verse 8 says To sum up So Peter's like in summary In conclusion All of you Be harmonious Sympathetic Brotherly Kind hearted and humble in spirit Not returning evil for evil Or insult for insult But giving a blessing instead For you will call for the very purpose That you might inherit a blessing In chapter Or in, in verse 8 right there Where it says um, uh, Be harmonious etc And Then it uses the word brotherly That's the word for brotherly love So you could easily And some of your translations are going to do it It's going to say in there Love each other Love brotherly Love in a brotherly way for one another so in summary peter says this is what we've been made to do this is how we've been made to live the gospel of jesus is at work in us it's saving us from sin amen right that we don't have to uh, deal with the consequences of our rebellion against god we can't and so jesus died on a cross so that we don't have to because we can't do it that's amazing news in and of itself But it's also the gospel is also working in us and remaking us all the time I personally believe that the gospel's most lasting and longest duration work in us is internal Some of you think that the best thing the gospel does for you is change your actions And i'm going to say no the greatest thing the gospel does for you is change your heart The greatest thing that the gospel does in you is get to the deepest parts of who you are The why you think what you think the why you want what you want and it changes the why the gospel's most longest greatest work is that it's internal Now i'm going to say this over and over again and even in light of that is that love does and love does love does I don't want to get away from what love does or we don't have anything to talk about for the next couple of weeks So we'll be talking about that But the very first thing that I want you to understand Is that love is radically reorienting us from the inside out radically reorienting us from the inside out. That word, again, that word brotherly there is philadelphoi, right? It's brotherly love. It means love each other. If I don't have a sincere love for people that I'm acting lovingly towards, I'm a hypocrite. Isn't that the definition of hypocrisy? That I'm doing something that doesn't match up to what I say is inside of me? So I can act lovingly toward people. Love can be doing things through me all the time. But if I don't have a deep sincere love in my heart for other people I'm a hypocrite chapter 1 verse 22 talks about loving each other from a pure heart how do we love each other from a pure heart so how many times maybe how many relationships might you be in right now that you would say this is a love relationship now that could be a parent or a child or a sibling or a spouse or whatever lots of ways to think about that But you're in some love relationship And here's how you think about this I love you ultimately because you give me something I'm in this relationship with you Because you are providing me something We might say a service or a good But there's some transaction here I'm going to give you emotional love And even hang out with you and, And do good loving things for you But ultimately it's because you're giving things back to me That's not a pure love is it? I'm going to love you because you make me feel more often than not a particular way. I'm going to love you because this actually makes me more spiritual. I'm in this relationship because you're a knucklehead and it's really hard to love you, but as I love you, I'm I'm displaying how spiritual I am. None of that is a pure love. Love each other from a pure heart. The gospel gets in and changes us so that we can sincerely, truly love one another with a pure heart. And then we get to chapter 3 here, and he says, In summary, this is Peter's summary of godly living. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to, to look like Christ? He says, In summary of that, here's what it looks like to put your living hope... In Jesus Christ. So maybe we could look at it in the opposite. Then he he talks about it. Not returning evil for evil or an insult for an insult, give a blessing instead. Um, he talks about what that can look like. So if we reversed it, maybe it would look something like this: disunity and ugliness. If I don't have this love for other if I'm theologically correct. But I'm not living in love it can, be dis- it can lead to disunity and ugliness I won't care about other people I will have disregard for the struggles And the pain of other people I'll be insensitive to others I will be intensely Interested in my wants And my needs and my preferences I can be accurate About my beliefs And completely off base About living that love out for people And we want that gospel, the summary of of Peter's gospel is, listen, once you come to understand who Jesus is and you live like him, you're going to love well. You're going to love really well. Is that the kind of church that you would want to come to? A loving church. Not just a church that we like each other, you know, and we kind of get along with one another and there's no overt uh, conflict within a church, but a church that is filled with a true, sincere, brotherly love Let me ask you another question. Is that the kind of church that your friends who are desperately seeking hope in life would want to come to? If you hate every song that we do on Sundays and you think I am the worst speaker that speaks on Sunday mornings, I would hope at the very least you could go come to my church because we love each other really well. Amen? It doesn't all rest on what happens up here. So much of this is what you're doing day to day, week to week, phone calls, texts, following up with each other, keeping up with each other, living life with each other, loving each other really, really well. We want to be theologically correct and emotionally intertwined with each other, right? Men, I want my men to hear that. We can be theologically correct and emotionally intertwined. That's a healthy church. That's the kind of church that we want to be. I think we're trying to express that in our little statement. You'll see it on a sign or you'll see it on a banner every now and then. We're a family, T.S.F sanctuary fellowship is or is becoming a family of faith living love and giving hope that's what we're trying to do theological accuracy and emotional intertwinedness. my next question would be this if peter says this here's the entire summary of what it means to follow jesus love each other well from a pure heart is that your summary if somebody summarized who you are would they say oh my gosh that guys know more about the bible than anybody i've ever known in my life that lady is the best, most godly mom I've ever been around in my entire life. Or would they say, "Wow, they love really well." They love really, really well." It's the summary of knowing who Jesus is and following him with the rest of your life is loving well. Be theologically accurate, because if you have poorly directed love, it is fruitless. So you can't have good love and bad theology, because you're going to love in poor ways. Matter of fact, there's books been written about it when helping hurts right you can love badly so be theologically accurate but I don't want you to be emotionally intertwined theological accuracy without genuine love is called a clanging symbol in first in first corinthians right I can know all things say all things do all things but if I don't do it in love I am just a noisy symbol so we want all of it right as we follow Christ to love God well knowing who he is and then following and loving other people really well. So that's 1 Peter 3 and he says in summary, and like a good preacher he keeps going. So (laughs) chapter 4, there's a whole other chapter after he says, I'm wrapping up (laughs) and then he gets to chapter 4 look at verse 8 and here he comes again above all, above everything else, keep fervent in your love one for another because love covers a multitude of sins. So he's like, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it again. Let me summarize what Christianity means. Love well. Above everything else, love well. And we're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like. It's this kind of radical change in us that gives us this sort of radical love, and he says, keep fervent. That word for fervent means uh, to stretch, to stretch out. How many of you are old enough to remember a merry-go-round and they had something you could grab when you went by? Anybody? Anybody? And there would be a prize or there'd be something, and as you go by, you would stretch and lean and hold onto that pole and try to grab something. a called grabbing the brass ring. It used to be a brass ring when you went by. It's that idea that I am stretching out with all my might to reach something. So now, marry that with the idea of love. I am stretching myself to give love in every way that I can. That's the idea, to keep Fervent in your love, to strain, to be physically stretched to something, to overextend yourself, and maybe even get embarrassed or be hurt or be taken advantage of because you're loving so hard. Now, here's where a lot of us, past the age of about 22, bail out. We love and we get hurt, and we love and we get hurt, and we love and we get hurt, and we're like, dude, I'm tired of that process. I'm not going to be that fool anymore. I'm going to hold back my love. I'm not going to stretch anything anymore. I'm not going to risk anything anymore. Matter of fact, somebody's going to have to risk for me from now on. And this passage says, above everything else, stretch to love. Risk to love. Be fervent in your love. It's kind of like Peter is saying this, and I think he is saying this, actually. We'll look at it here. He's saying this. Do you see Jesus hanging and suffering on the cross for you? Can you see that in your head? See, because for Peter, it wasn't a concept, it was a memory. Do you see Jesus hanging on the cross for you, suffering for you? The gospel, the good news about Jesus is too big for your little love, for a moderate love. God is replacing the old way you loved. It was measured, it was self-serving, it was self-protected, and he's giving you a new love. Keep fervent in your love. Now, what fuels that love? Where does that come from? I think it comes from two places, which we'll look at. You look back at the suffering love of Jesus, and you look ahead to the return of Jesus. So we're going to look back first. Look at verse uh, 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same kind of purpose or the same mind, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh... No longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries. The suffering love of Jesus changes our relationship. It changes our relationship with other people, and it changes our relationship with time. The suffering Jesus changes our relationships with other people, and with time. Before you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you weren't even aware there was a play clock happening. Play clocks, anybody know? The NFL starts today, right? So we know what a play clock is? Okay, there's a play clock happening. There's a play clock that's ticking down. It's ticking down. The minute you come out of the womb and you breathe, you're on the clock. And it doesn't click up. It clicks down for everyone, right? Before you came to know Jesus you either weren't aware of it or you didn't care about it. That you were on the clock. We were intoxicated before we knew Jesus with the fantasy that we have all the time in the world to do whatever it is we wanted to do to feel good. Peter says here that our lives have been divided into two sections. You have BC time, before Jesus time, that's your personal BC, okay? You have BC time and you have your remaining time. Your entire life has been split up into two sections. The time before you came to know Jesus and now the time after you've come to know Christ. After you said, I'm going to follow him and live like him. How much time, and he basically says, you have already had enough time to waste your lives. Those of you who have come to know Christ, older, younger, whatever, whatever time you had before you came to place your faith in Jesus, you've already had enough time to waste. He says it. You've already done it. So be done with it, right? What are you going to do with the time that you have left? And here's his big argument in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. What are you going to do with the time you have left? Because listen, Jesus is coming. Not only are you on a clock, there is a cosmic clock. There's a universe clock that's ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking down. And Jesus is coming back. If not globally, then for you personally, What are you going to do with the time that you have left? The suffering Jesus, he died on the cross for us. It changes how we see time. We live a very short life, a very brief life, and that should change the way that we live because we're going to live forever. Here's the dichotomy of Christianity, right? Every religion, but Christianity in particular. I'm not living for here. This isn't it. This isn't even close to it. This is some cruddy shadow of what it's going to be And everything that I think is amazing And wonderful and beautiful here Burns up in a fire one day And it all gets started all over again Having that in my head Jesus died on a cross And the way that he suffered for me The love that he showed me Changes how I see time And as I look ahead And I say Jesus is coming back That changes how I see time we, either way, we have this very brief time That we have here on this earth And the way we live and, and some of us have experienced this Probably not much in America But some of us have experienced this When we change the way we live When you're not out messing around with other women You're not looking at stuff on the internet You're not supposed to When you're not filling your mind with just garbage and stuff And you talk to your peers And you talk to your friends And they're like, well, why not? Man, that's crazy you have a short. Just go enjoy yourself when we live differently because our relationship with time and other people has been changed, we invite mockery from the world, and we should expect it. Jesus told us that, didn't he? I don't think, he, I don't think Jesus bait and switched us, <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, follow me, and I'll give you everything you want in life before him, and then after him, like, oh, by the way, it's really hard. Sorry, I didn't, that was in the fine print. He said specifically, the world hates me, and they're going to hate you. Right, The the Son of Man came to suffer and die. And if you follow me, you're going to suffer. So we invite the mockery of the world when we follow Jesus like this, when our relationship with time and everything is different. So verse 3 in particular, they're being mocked, they're being ridiculed, they're being openly persecuted. That's the other thing. Peter's writing this letter to Christians who are being persecuted and killed. They're dying for their faith. Because they're Christians Because they won't bow the knee to Caesar They're being killed So they're dying because of this new way of living And now think about it You're a lost person You don't follow Jesus You're looking at this Christian guy He doesn't go to the the, uh, pagan temple anymore To have sex with prostitutes And he doesn't eat the meat sacrificed to idols And he doesn't let his wife sleep around And 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 you're like dude And you're going to die? They're going to kill you for this new belief And you're not even enjoying your life right now? You're a double loser man so you're being mocked and made fun of and ridiculed persecuted kicked out by your culture how are they supposed to respond how are we supposed to respond when we get mocked and ridiculed for our faith it feels like we have to choose between fight or flight doesn't it we're going to fight for righteousness an american way and i need guns in my hand we're going to fight for what's right or we're going to run away and hide in the christian ghetto This is what we've done in evangelical America for the last 40 years. How's that working for us? It feels like we get pushed into one of these two extremes. Here's what I want to say about that mentality. Both of them are self-protected retreats. Both of those mentalities are meant to protect what I think is mine and what I have some inherent right to. Both of those choices elevate the attack and the enemy and not the cross of Jesus. Jesus. This love that Jesus gave us when he dies on a cross, just remember, remember, here what's love? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That verse does not say, what is love? Jesus died for his friends. While we were his enemies, mocking him, spitting on him, torturing him, killing him on a cross, he died for us. That's love. So remember that that's the love that he stretched out to give us. So I think... The third alternative, the third way, is that we're supposed to stretch that love that he's given us over those who mock us, over those who seek to tear down our faith. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It puts God, when we act like this, when we show love in the middle of being mocked and ridiculed in our way of life that we adhere to, that we enjoy, that we find to be the highest value, when we see that being torn down, and we love our enemies... It puts God on display in a very good way. Do you understand that? You literally, in a public way, are putting God on display in his love when you respond to that kind of attack on your life and your faith with love. And he gets the glory that he deserves. Because there's no reason for you to love people like that when they attack you, is there? The world would even excuse you, give you a reason to stand up and fight, may not even applaud you. That doesn't make it right. Right? that's what they're struggling with, that's what we may be faced with, that kind of love that stretches itself out even when we live in a world that attacks us. Look at verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. He says it here, "'The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer, and above all, keep fervent in your love one for another.'" because love covers a multitude of sins so we look back at the suffering jesus and what he did for us and what his love did for us when he died on that cross and then we look ahead that jesus could come back at any time i don't know what your theology is about that i have a particular theology about that i kind of have to hold on to the idea that he can come back whenever he wants to god's got a clock he set it in motion before time began he knows when it's going to end at some point or another he's going to say son go get our kids I don't know when that's going to happen But I just think in scripture you get this idea That there's an imminence about it That it could happen at any time Maybe it's just our ignorance of it You know That it could happen at any time Because I have no idea when it's going to happen Right He's going to come back at any time and, and I think this is one of the things that Peter's saying here He's coming back at any time Life is short Don't numb yourself with sin like everybody else does Don't numb yourself with sin. In light of the brevity of life and how Jesus is coming back, don't numb yourself with sin like everybody else does, with what I would say are parodies of love. Parodies of love. I think in verse 3, there's examples and imitations of love. They're not really love, but they're just worldly attempts to find love. Debauchery, self-indulgence, lust, orgies, openly flirting with the pleasure of today. Real love is not self-centered. Real love is not pleasure-oriented. Please write that down. Real love is not self-centered and real love is not pleasure-oriented. And in a world that is full of horrible depictions of love that tell you that love is all about feeling good, You need to remember that biblically That is the antithesis of scriptural love Biblical love is not self-centered It's not pleasure oriented Real love stretches out to reach as many as we can Daily with just a little love from Jesus So here's what I'm not asking you to do Okay You have a boss who's just the biggest Jack wagon in the world, right I am not asking you to go to work tomorrow And convert him to Christianity Okay Boss, listen, here's the deal You're a jack wagon, everybody knows it jesus died on the cross for your sins would you like to pray right now like i'm not asking you to do that okay probably wouldn't go well in a lot of levels all right (laughs) what i am asking you to do is that when he's the jack wagon that you don't want to work with that you respond in love you'll have an opportunity tomorrow to show that guy love won't you won't you i'm not i'm not saying is it easy because jesus never asked us that question either did he follow me and it's going to be really easy Follow me and love those who persecute you and pray for those who spitefully abuse you and misuse you. That's what he said. I am asking you to go tomorrow and just stretch yourself. Gosh, this is really hard. I don't even think I can reach this one. There's a little love. Oh, I gave him some love. Okay. Man, that was hard. Every person that you come across, which we're going to get into this, every day you have this opportunity to give them a little bit of love from Jesus Christ. I want you to look again. I think Peter is doing this again and again. Look in the eyes of our suffering Savior. Can you just see Christ dying on the cross for you? Look into the eyes of the returning Savior. Ooh, can you think about that? You know, in Revelation, it says that his eyes burn like fire. Man, was he a dark-skinned, dark-eyed, dark-haired Middle Eastern man when he died on the cross? What's he going to look like when he comes back? I want you to look in the eyes of that man dying on a cross for you. I want you to look ahead and look into the eyes of that man coming back for you. Amen? And in between, there's a big in between there, isn't there? We're already 2,000 years in between. In between, you have the high and holy calling of making an invisible Christ visible to a watching world by stretching out to love the people that God has put into your life. People should hear the tone of God's voice And the tone of your voice They should see his loving eyes in your eyes They need to feel his love in the touch of your hand We are his hands We are the light of the world We are his goodness in us as he saves us And as he lives in us We give people acceptance and forgiveness Without them having to earn it Because that's what God did And he showed it to us like that Did you hear that? We give love and acceptance to people without him having to earn it because that's the love that we've been given. So that's the love that we give to other people. We are his ambassadors of love. And we love like this because it is the best representation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just agree with that? You know, didn't Jesus say that? People are going to know you're my disciples because you're theologically accurate. People will know you're my disciples because you've read all of Gruden's works will know you're my disciples because you've memorized the Westminster Shorter Catechism. How's he, how are we going to know? They will know you're my disciples because of your love one for another. Apparently, Jesus says, the best way we represent him is to love people really well. We are his ambassadors, living, walking, breathing, bringers of God's love to the world around us. So we look backward the suffering Savior, we look forward to the returning Savior. It changes our relationships with other people. It changes our love with times. And he says, now, above everything else, love each other. What does that look like? Verse 8, what does that kind of love look like? Above all, keep fervent of your love for each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God whoever speaks is to do so as the one speaking the utterances of God whoever serves which is a repeat serves is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies he gives us four super practical ways to understand what this kind of love looks like so how can we know what it means to love God like this first of all it says love covers a multitude of sins there are a million interpretations of what that means. I was really kind of bummed out when I got to look into this because I was hoping somebody would just go agree. We, The three of us agree and this is it. But it's like you get three people in a room with four opinions about this, okay? There's a ton of different ways to approach this, which may be really good, so we can't become legalists, right? So as love covers a multitude of sins, I'm gonna land primarily on forgiveness. If I'm gonna say what this means, I'm gonna say it primarily means forgiveness. Now, that's not permission, It's forgiveness So instead of being offended Forgive And ask yourself this question Can we do this? This is really hard Because when we get offended, we're offended And what do we do as men? We want to fight, what do we do as ladies? We want to hide, what do we want to do When we get offended? We're hurt So I want you to think about this When somebody offends you, forgive quickly quickly, As quick as you can And then ask this, what might be going on for them That they need help with what might be going on for, with them that they need understanding for or prayer for or some kind of intervention on? Cover the offense and potentially the underlying cause of the offense. This is a really interesting word. Covers here actually means covering in order to wipe away. That's kind of what the word means. Like you would spill something on a counter and get a big bowl, you know, thing of bounty, and you cover it up and then you wipe it away, and magically it's gone. That's the idea here. Love covers a multitude of sins Covering in order to remove it So maybe somebody offends you And there's a way for you to kind of get in there And begin to ask wow Why did they respond like that And why was that so harsh And why was that so ugly And maybe this isn't about me And what's going on How can I help you How can I step into your life And love you really well So there's that Or somebody else is being sinned against How can you step in and cover them Sometimes we have that opportunity don't we someone else is being sinned against and we get the opportunity to step in and cover them maybe it's something you want to just ask yourself am I going to be a consumer of forgiveness right am I going to be a consumer of the love of God or am I going to be a provider of the love of God am I going to be a restorer or a condemner where there is generous love when I understand that Jesus loved me with a love that can't be replicated and in a way that I can't understand, and it was ridiculously generous, when I understand that, forgiveness for me is easily given. It's easily accepted. It's easily given. Now, listen, some of you are serial offenders. <laughs> this isn't your support group, but you're here, okay? You are a serial offender. You are the person who consistently needs to be forgiven. So here's what nobody's doing for you today Giving you permission to offend don't, don't, don't misunderstand our love for you And our forgiveness of you As permission to continue to do that Okay So we need to This has to work from both sides of the aisle As much as possible Especially in the church We're going to understand that I have this Opportunity to love and forgive Right? In a crazy way But I can't abuse that love either I've got to be, at some point, we have to grow up and stop being consumers of forgiveness and love, and we've got to be producers of forgiveness and love for other people. So, covering a multitude of sins, that's what that love can look like. Hospitality, he says, ungrudging hospitality, without complaint. Your motivation for this kind of hospitality is not, does this make me feel good, or I will until it hurts me or costs me. I think Peter has in mind the good Samaritan, which we don't have time to get into. But Jesus says, who has loved his neighbor? Isn't that the whole point of that thing? He says, who has loved his neighbor? And the answer is the guy who gave everything to help the stranger who should have been his enemy. That's who the neighbor was. Do you see your Savior on the cross? Do you see his suffering? What did Jesus do for you without complaining? I am so, maybe, I I doubt it, but aren't you glad that it's not in Scripture and Jesus is on the cross and there's seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Aren't you glad the eighth one isn't, man, that Joe is is an idiot. I'm doing this for him? What did Jesus give for you? And he didn't gripe about it. And he didn't complain about it. Let's reverse it. What did he hold back? What did he not give? And he didn't complain and he didn't gripe about it. Change my heart. Man, God, change my heart so that I can love like that. So that I can open up my heart in my home without grumbling or without complaint. The message Bible translates this little sick seg- without complaint or without grumbling, and it says, like your life depended on it. Exercise hospitality like your life depended on it. That's what love looks like. What would it look like to stretch out in love and to serve other people like this? He uses the word steward here. This is somebody who was given things and then he was expected to take them and use them to bless other people. Steward doesn't own anything. The master comes and lets him borrow everything he has for the purpose of running his home and blessing other people. And that word is used here of us, that we would be the steward who stretches ourselves. To love people like this Look back and look ahead Looking at Jesus in in the suffering and in his return Means I don't use my talents and my gifts for me But to invest them to benefit other people Let me say that again I don't use my talents and gifts for me But to invest them to benefit other people This is not a hypothetical passage (laughs) Do you understand that? Like Peter's super practical here Really, really practical. So all we have to do is turn into a question: Am I, am I using my talents and my gifts in a way to invest and bless other people? Your money, your time, your boat, your house, your stocks, your retirement, your family, your knowledge, your talent—none of it's yours. None of it's yours. It is on loan. And when you check out here, you give it back. How are you using that to bless and benefit and invest in other people? What would it look like for you to love God and to love other people by taking what God has loaned you and use it for others, to build them up, to encourage them, to bless them, to love them? I don't have time to do all of this. This goes for me. This goes back to, hmm, man, seventh grade. 12 and 13 years old, Randy and Elizabeth Draper step into my lives, my life and and my friends' lives, our our peer group, and they stay with us for the next six years of junior high and high school. And we were the dumbest, most awful people in the world. And they did they never bailed out on us. The whole time we're in junior high and high school. They're there with us the whole time. To the point that Randy would let us come over to his house, and I'm not lying. He had two little kids, Kyle and Kevin. Kyle was probably four, Kevin might have been two, and I don't know what Randy was thinking. He left and let us babysit his children, 15-year-old boys. I don't know what was happening. I think he went to get pizza or something. When he comes back, we have thrown sandwich meat all over his living room. We were trying to hit the fan and see if the fan would sling it. (laughs) And we got packs of lunch meat with the little kids, and we're just throwing lunch meat around his room. They never bailed out on us. They never quit. We found lunch meat behind his couch when he moved two years later. I helped him move out of his house. Hard lunch me behind the couch when he moved out from us. Never bailed out on us, man. He was there the whole, they put everything on the line for us. Weekends, long trips, youth camps, weeks at their house when they were off. They had small children. None of it was, none of it was an excuse to not minister and give to other people. Danny and Donnell Finif. when I moved to Tucson, I lived in Tucson for, Two and a half summers before Mindy and I got married I'd go out there in the summertime and minister And Danny and Donnell had three little kids They were crazy people And they opened up their home to me I slept in a race car bed for a summer I'm 6'2 That race car bed couldn't have been four and a half feet long You know the plastic one, the red one That was my bed for a summer They didn't hold anything back from me man I was treated like their family When they went on a family reunion trip on the weekend I got to go with them they didn't hold anything back from me as a 19- and 20-year-old. They invested everything in me. Teresa and Rusty Culberson, three girls, Georgia, in our student ministry. One of their kids has come down with a horrible disease, and they're fighting it right now. She started sewing some signs when we were there, not many. They babysit Jordan when he was little young couple we didn't know what we were doing we were 17 hours away from home cost money remember when you had to dial zero to get home on your phone we didn't have cell phones and stuff we were by ourselves isolated with a little kid man they had us over they would say get out of here we got him don't worry about it they would keep jordan for us they became like an extended part of our family While we were there Some of you probably don't remember But there was a point where Rusty came and visited us When we were back at Greatwood Back in the rec center Some of y'all are old enough to remember that They hosted Disciple Now's in their home They let high school girls come over And spend the weekend in their home They housed one of our students Whose parents were going through a horrible breakup For about four months They invested everything Larry and Dana McKinney I mean I don't even have words for this couple Mindy's with Dana this weekend They've walked through everything with me For the last 17 years Everything When Thomas died Funeral was Saturday or no 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 It was following week like on a Tuesday or something Larry shows up at my house At 8 o'clock in the morning What do you need Hadn't seen him in three years they gave everything to us, man. Everything. They didn't hold back. And I'm talking everything, man. They invested in us. Here at this church, I'm not going to look over there because I'll cry more. Brian Engelbrecht, still here. Going strong, Brian. Church started in the man's living room, guys. He's still here with us. I just, I'd just, i like to applaud Brian Engelbrecht to be personally... been through life's ups and downs been through everything this church has been through and then personally what he's been through he has sacrificed and invested so much here like I can't even tell you it's amazing I don't feel worthy of it probably what I would say what does it look like for you to have somebody just tell one story about you just one story about you Man, they never they didn't hold back They loved really well. They gave so much. They invested so much in me. What does it look like for you to stretch yourself like that? To be fervent in your love and to give to people like that? Did you used to do it? I think there's people in this room and we used to do it. And we got burned because it costs a lot. It costs a lot to do this. And we used to do it, but we don't do it anymore. Why don't we do it anymore? I mean, I know we're tired sometimes and it gets hard. Look at the suffering and the love of Jesus and how he served. And Jesus, don't ever forget, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, Are you above me? Are you above me? I'm going to die for you. And the way that I'm serving you, I expect you to serve each other. Then he says this, speaking these words like the very utterances of God. What does that look like? I think this applies to me. I think it applies to Jared. I think it applies to Jimmy. Any teachers in our church? I most certainly think it applies to all of us. But what about everybody else? Are you exempt from this principle? So this principle is just for teachers in the church? We're the only ones that are supposed to speak the very utterances of God? Don't overlook the principle for the particulars. It's interesting to me that 1 Peter has the highest ratio of Old Testament references to any other book in the Bible. There are 30 either direct references or indirect references in 105 verses. Peter is consistently going back and saying, Oh, remember the scripture? Remember the scripture? Remember God said? Peter has soaked himself in the very words of God so that he can give it away to somebody else. Can you do that? How we love each other during our brief stay in this place reveals what we really believe about the gospel. Man, is the gospel your opinion or has it soaked down into your heart and it changes everything about what you do in life? How we love each other during our brief stay shows what we really, really believe. So what does it look like practically, just as practical as I can get? Love is what love does. What does that look like? Every boring, plain day. Listen, the extraordinary days are the exception to the rule. Most days are just boring. That's life. On the boring days, look for ways on tedious Tuesday or repeat Wednesday to love well. You ever have tedious Tuesdays? Like, this Wednesday's Groundhog Day. I just did this, you know, right? Right? Every boring and plain day, look for ways to love. Push through awkwardness. Not every connection is a chemical connection. Not every love expression is with your best friend. Push through the awkwardness. See and be seen. Know facts, expose your heart, hear their hearts. Man, you have this opportunity at the very least every time you walk in here. And hopefully you're going, let's go grab lunch let's meet for coffee. Let's get together. I want to really get to know you. Celebrate and mourn with people. I got to do this in extreme ways I think a two-day period or three-day period a couple weeks ago was my birthday and people threw this party. It was awesome. We had a great time celebrating. Like two days later, I went to the funeral of of a church member and a friend. And our church was there, man. Like we showed up and it was awesome. And I experienced this Crazy extreme of what it looks like to love people well in like a two day time frame. Partying and celebrating and then mourning really well. I think, Wes, is there a website on one of these that's already up here? Awesomeness. Okay. They're actually not here today. The girls who are coming on Wednesdays. Megan Martinez paste, passed away from a brain tumor about a month ago. And the girls are uh, both in uh, high school, junior high. Felix is going to be a single dad. Um, we have an opportunity to step in here big time. So, here's what I'd like to do I'd like us to agree that we're going to just provide meals for this family for the rest of the year. Amen? Okay. Or Mindy and I are cooking a lot of food. Okay. <laughs> so, here's what I'd like to do there's already a, a meal, meal train set up. That's it. Okay. We're going to find a way to get it on um, the website, but maybe I uh, take a picture of it or something. And you can, oh, to the worship guide. Yeah. You can go online, sign up. You can take a meal, or you can just take gift cards. Don't bring anything here. We're not your distributor, okay? Don't take anything here. All the information you need is on the Meal Train site. But if you don't want to cook or whatever, sometimes gift cards are awesome, you know, because you need something on the run or on the fly, um, and you just got to grab something. Sometimes that's the best way to go. So three times a week through the end of the year. Can we do that? This is an easy way to love somebody. Right? I'm, not, I'm not elevating their need above anybody else's need but man this hit me like a ton of bricks right after it happened we gotta step in for this family can't imagine being a single dad that's awful losing your spouse right here's an easy way for us to step in and stretch ourselves just a little bit and love really 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 well wrap it up Peter's writing to the suffering church People are dying for their faith. They've been rejected by their family and their culture. Their government is sponsoring their their suffering. What does he say to them, right? What What does Peter say to that group of people? He says, above all, love. In the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of the rejection, above all, love. Don't be discouraged. He's like, I know it hurts. He says earlier God's going to use that heat and he's going to purify you and make you better then he says this and you know this isn't going to last very long if y'all understand that this is not going to last very long you go to sleep here and then you wake up there and it's coming so soon you're going home Peter says you're going home love well on the way home Don't wait for it. Don't ask permission to do it. Above everything else, be passionate in your love for each other. Be active. Be ready. Be on the lookout. Love above all else. Love is what love does. I guys bow your heads. Close your eyes. I got three challenges and a prayer. Can you think of a way that you can be more loving this week? And, And so that this doesn't become an empty exercise, I would like you to do this. If you could say, Pastor Joe, I can think of a way. It's real easy. I know how I can be more loving this week. Stand up. Just pop up. Nobody's looking around. Just stand up. Now, you're also confessing to the Lord, God, I can be more loving, and I know you've shown me how, so you're kind of saying, I'm going to do it. Okay, so how many of you say, I know of a way I can be more loving? Now, maybe you need to confess to the Lord. Have you been less than loving in that situation, and that's why you stood up, because you know you've fallen short? Confess to him. That's what grace is, right? God, I've fallen short here. Forgive me strengthen me give me more love in my heart I want to have a genuine love show me how to love like that now can you think of someone who needs more love that's a different question isn't it not can I be more loving can you think of someone who just needs more love can you just stand up too man I know somebody who needs love just pop up not easy I didn't ask if it's going to be easy to love them Matter of fact, God may put someone in your heart who it's almost impossible to love. <laughs> Pray again, God, give me the strength. Give me a deep love for them. They're not easy to love. Give me a deep love for them, a Christ-like love for them. Show me how to love them. Then the last thing I would say some of you, this isn't an ooey-gooey feeling. This is a supernatural work. Jesus is to save you first. The love of Jesus on the cross has to work in your heart first. Call out on him to save you. Say, save me from my sins. Thank you for the love of Christ on the cross. Holy Father, we need supernatural miracles in our hearts. We need you to rescue us by your grace and by your love. Forgive us, God, for we're, we're self-centered and we're afraid, and we've been so unloving. God, forgive us. God, show us how to love in a way that makes the most of the time that we have. Show me how to love in such a way that makes the most of the time that I've got. And Father, I pray that as the world sees me, they see you. Father, thank you for this time, for this reminder to love well. In your name we pray, amen have a seat we're going to get into some baptisms here our guys are going to come and we're going to take our offering